on this theme, um, and it's good. It's a good theme. It's a good theme. Uh, we've been speaking, so when we think about deliverance especially and getting free, we're especially thinking about the soul part of you. Everybody say soul. So Hebrews 4.12 is a very insightful passage. You know, it tells us that the heart of man is divisible, that the heart of man is made up of the soul and the spirit, that it's divisible, and that the Word of God is a sharp two-edged sword or sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to bring a division between the soul and the spirit. And the Word of God, therefore, is also able to help us discern if our thoughts are of God or if they are not of God, right? So the Word of God, because the Word of God is always of God, right? And so when we think about deliverance ministry and we think about getting free, how many of you want to get free? And then I think what we ought to do, like uh, Jill and I were talking about deliverance one day, reflecting on some things this a few years ago, and she said, you know, Deliverance ministry is wonderful, but all it really does is bring your balance up to zero. It doesn't put money in your bank. It's just where you've had, where you've had deficits, where you've had strongholds, issues, where you've had hindrances and trouble, uh, it can bring those particular segments of your life back up to zero balance instead of all of this bankrupt balance, right? Uh, but then we want to go from freedom, we want to go into restoration, we want to go into building. And uh, I always uh, say, and I believe the Lord put this in my heart, it's not because I'm smart, that restoration is not getting back what you've lost. Restoration is getting what you've never had. If we stop with getting back what you lost, then we're not going to fully come into what He has for us. He, he has something greater for uh, all of us uh, in Him. Amen? So restoration is important, and when we think about restoration, we're specifically and especially thinking about the soul. And uh, we've recognized that, okay, we can have demonic influence in our soul. And this is kind of a, you know, for a lot of us, that's kind of a freaky thing. Uh, when I, you know, I grew up in more of a dichotomy church. You have an inner man and you have an outer man. You have an earth suit and an inner man. I grew up more of a dichotomous thinker, all of our theological underpinnings. And so we were always told that you can't have an unclean spirit uh, hanging out uh, bothering, troubling you, affecting you, because uh, you're born of the Spirit. So, kind of in that theological thinking, the moment you're born of the Spirit, you're free from everything. That's an interesting thought, right? Uh, why in the world are we such a mess if we're totally free, right? Okay, so, <laughs> Christians everywhere are a mess, so, huh, free doesn't, therefore free must not equal well. I don't, know what, I don't know what that's all about. So what we've discovered, though, we've discovered that, you know, the, that we are much like the tabernacle. We have an outer court. We have an inner court. We have a holy of holies. And the soul is very much like that outer court. The spirit much like the holy of holies. And by the way, of which, that's where he dwelt once, and, and that's where he dwells now. Uh, the Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit, man. And... Uh, and and certainly the demonic can't go, nothing unclean can go into your spirit, man, once you've come to Jesus. Uh, if it does, it dies, and we just drag it out. If you, <laughs> those of you familiar with a little tabernacle teaching, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so that's kind of the picture. But the soul, we can have trouble in the soul, 
And um, so we need, we need reprogramming, right? We need a little bit of reprogramming. Reprogramming the soul is really, uh, it's critical. It's, it's, it's important to a successful Christian life, uh, a, a successful walk with God, a successful life in general. After conversion, we, we end up with a lot of old thoughts and emotions and patterns that want to sneak through the cross and kind of stick around. And what we've found is that most of that stuff is, is uh, well, we've found it's lodged or, or, or uh, uh, imprinted uh, in the soul. And, and some of that stuff we can overcome uh, without what we would consider deliverance, though I believe that Christians are getting deliverance all the time. We just haven't had a theological framework for it. Because Jesus said, if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. So that's John 8, 31 and 32. And, and, and the word know there is like the word uh, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. The word know there means if you become intimate with the word, if you become intimate with the truth, if you yield to the truth, if you become one with the truth, then the truth has the power to set you free or get you into freedom, right? So I think that Christians go through more deliverance than they uh, know they go through because they, whether they believe in deliverance or not, because as we kind of align ourselves with the truth and we, and we separate ourselves from a lie, uh, then we're actually in that transaction of coming into freedom. So how many of you know that's happened with you a little bit? And was there a de was there a demonic uh, was there demonic uh, stuff present uh, or not? Maybe you didn't even know. I, I remember, uh, you know, I've had to conquer so many things in my Christian walk, uh, but one of the things was just my attitude toward my wife. I had to conquer that. And uh, I think with all of us, as we come into the Lord, as we come into the Lord, we find that some things are easily toppled, easily conquered. Uh, it's like if we just repent, we line ourselves up with truth, uh, whether there's demonic presence there or not, it topples, it goes, and we break into new thinking and new behavior, right? So somehow, you know, a little confession, uh, somehow in uh, our, in my upbringing, uh, and sometimes more is caught than taught, but I had this whole mindset that, um, that I was to be very dominant over my wife. That I was, that I was to, uh, and, and almost like we were in like this competitive role, right? So I, you know, I was supposed to be a better cook, better, <clears throat> better. Well, we know that didn't work out, did we? The kids know the only thing, the, the only thing that dad can cook, we call it goulash. Because no matter what I try, it comes out exactly the same. And all of us go, oh, dad made dinner. Oh, goulash. Okay, so it, it doesn't matter whatever I start with, it's going to end up as goulash. So we know the cooking didn't, didn't go well. But, you know, our first year of marriage, this, this is reaching way back. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend that I don't have other troubles in life. Uh, but I'll just use one way back as an example so you think that I've been perfect ever since. Um, but our first year of marriage and then subsequent 
several years after, but our, especially our first year of marriage, uh, I thought it was great. She thought it was hell on earth, but I, I, I thought it was pretty good. But I remember having that conversation. It was probably at an anniversary dinner, maybe our second year, you know, anniversary or something. You know, I remember asking her something about, you know, the marriage or whatever, and she's like, well, I'm glad that first year is over. I'm like, what, you didn't enjoy that? Are you kidding me? I wanted to kill you. Okay, she had to conquer that one right there. Had to dismiss that one. But I had this, you know, I had this attitude that I was to be uh, demeaning and arrogant and, I, you know, uh, in charge and bossy. And, and uh, I think out of that, there was a lot of kind of a critical, judgmental, negative. And I think when we first got together even, we were first dating, uh, I was also, that's kind of weird, uh, I confessed this to the Restored Life community on Wednesday, I was also very cynical. I kind of grew up, you wouldn't know this now, but I kind of grew up as the class clown, uh, the guy that always got sent in the hallway, the guy that always talked too much, the guy that was always throwing spitwads at girls and just always doing something, you know, dumb. And so... Uh, and you'd never know that today. <laughs> but that was one of those things that I that the Lord tagged me on. And I think what happens is kind of as we're growing, you know, the Lord, thank the Lord for his righteousness that covers us so that we have an audience with God and that the Holy Spirit is working within us. But so the Lord's showing us stuff. And as we get insight on stuff, then we can... We can choose to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the, the leading, the awakening of the Holy Spirit, and we can repent of those things, renounce those things, and separate ourselves from those things, begin to buy into higher things and buy into higher truth, right? There's the wisdom from above, James uh, chapter 3, there's the wisdom from beneath. And uh, so the more I got, uh, and I think probably early on in our, our relationship and marriage, uh, I probably you know, I'd been a Christian all my life. I uh, gave my life to the Lord when I was four, but I probably wasn't very deep in the Lord. You know, I wasn't very edumacated in the Word. Is that a word? Edumacated? It is not. And so, you know, as we're growing in our marriage, I'm growing in the Word, and I'm diving into the Word, and getting more and more into the Word, getting more and more convicted. Uh, and, uh, and I just think it's this way for all of us. But here's what I've found, is that there are some things that are more resistant. There are some attitudes. Uh, profanity's never been a big thing for me. It, it never, it's never been one that's wanted to hang on. Uh, I could name a lot of things that just, they just haven't uh, wanted to hang, you know, I've been able to just kind of dismiss them, overcome them, repent of them, separate myself from them. But there's other things that have wanted to hang on. And in my vulnerability, all of you have heard me talk about uh, one thing that wanted to hang on for me and wanted to hang on regardless of how many times I repented was sexual immoral thoughts. Uh, thinking, uh, drive, perspective. And I know not every man deals with this. Uh, uh, but uh, for me, that, that was something that wanted to hang on. And maybe, you know, I was exposed to some pornography when I was uh, a very young, and there was either a seed sown there or the awakening of something out of my lineage. 
uh, of which I have talked to my parents about that and gotten some interesting perspectives on that. Uh, but nonetheless, that was lodged into my soul. That was developing and growing in my soul. And uh, I could tell that repentance wasn't doing the trick because for a thousand times of repenting, it, it wasn't working. And so here's part of why we're, delivering, why we're dealing with this theme of deliverance is there's some things that topple easily. There's some attitudes, there's some perspectives, there's some paradigms, there's some, some, uh, some methodology, unclean methodology. And uh, we, can, we can go to all sorts of places in the Word to find examples of unclean methodology. Um, Galatians 5.19 is one of them where he, Paul calls it the works of the flesh, right? So... Uh, uh, this negative or angry or or manipulative or controlling or uh, I mean there's just we you know we could list some of the methods of the flesh and we find and it's different for you than it is for me some of that stuff wants to hang on some of that stuff wants to hang on it wants to hang on through uh, through our conversion we've come to Christ we've given our life to the Lord uh, we want we want uh, salvation, we want eternal life, we want forgiveness. Um, but of course, we're not supposed to hang, we're not supposed to spend our life around the, for, the forgiveness camp. Uh, though we can, always, we can always run back over there and reach into forgiveness. And this is, you know, Paul says that in 1 John 1, 9, uh, that if you do sin, praise the Lord, you have an advocate, Jesus the righteous. And so you can confess, you can bring that sin to Father, uh, and you can tap back into that cleansing that you need. But we aren't meant to just live around the forgiveness camp because we're such a mess. We're supposed to live over here in the restoration camp. We're supposed to live over here in the victory camp. We're supposed to live over here in the overcoming camp. This is what God has for us, right? And so this means all of us, uh, all of us, therefore, to get over there, we have to be very aware of our thought life. We have to check our thought life. We have to be watching our thought life because our behavior and uh, our actions and the indicator of the wholeness within the soul, remember we're talking about the soul, not the spirit, uh, it, it's going to spring up out of the thoughts that spring up or the thoughts we allow, right? The thoughts that spring up or the thoughts that we allow, those, those thoughts are very good indicators of what's happening on the inside and if we need more work. And, and, and you and the Lord know best if you need more work. Does anybody in the building need more work? Okay, five of us, good. Hallelujah. And so we can tell, uh, we can tell a little bit about that stuff in our thought life. And... Uh, and I want to go to these scriptures that talked a little bit about uh, how to, and, and what this means, by the way, if you've got some stuff that is reoccurring, it's persistent, and I've had that in several areas of my life, um, most honest people in the building today uh, would say, would recognize, okay, I've, I, you know, I've had some, something that's been reoccurring, persistent. I'm 10 years into my Christian walk, and it keeps popping up, right? It keeps springing up. Oh, it keeps springing up. And that reminds us of a passage right there. It keeps popping. It keeps popping up. 
Uh, well, that reminds us immediately of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Let's read it together. In fact, is I think I have it right here. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Sanctification means the washing of holiness where as unto we are set apart. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Now, I don't know how in the world you're supposed to see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God in a church community uh, other than kind of like what we're doing right now is that we're, we're, we're delivering the word and then maybe in our small groups and in our one-on-one relationships, we just say, wow, uh, sounds like you're kind of struggling with something. Is your heart okay? Uh, how's, your, how's your faith? Uh, how's your courage? You know, we just, because that's an interesting command right there. See to it that no one in your midst comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble or no root of bitterness popping up, popping up, springing up. Now, he, here he's using the word bitterness, but um, we could extrapolate this passage to all sorts of other stuff that maybe if it's reoccurring or it wants to pop up, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a perspective, uh, maybe it's a fear, but there's things, and if we find that there's stuff that wants to spring up, then here he says, okay, if you've got stuff that's reoccurring and it wants to spring up, it's probably a root. In other words, it's deeply planted, it's deeply ingrained, it's deeply, it's dug in. It's dug in. It's woven deeper into your soul. Uh, this explains why you haven't been able to just kind of dismiss it. Okay? Uh, that attitude with your wife? Oh, praise the Lord. We were, we were able to topple that thing. Uh, we got into uh, a peaceable, loving, teamwork relationship, I think. We did? <laughs> Glory. Okay, so there's things we can do, but there's other things that, there's some things we can topple, but other things are just more resistant. They've got like a root system. They're woven in. Uh, they're interconnected. And he says those things are just going to, you know, you'll, you'll handle them for a while, but then they pop back up. You'll handle them for a while, but then they spring back up. You'll handle them for a while, but then they reoccur. And it's those reoccurring things that I present to you and I say to you, that for those things, uh, it's not just you. For those things, there's something unclean working. There's a spirit involved, and the spirit is what is causing the compulsion. The spirit is what is attached to it. The spirit's what's giving it life and animating it. The spirit's what's kind of bugging you, troubling you, uh, harassing you. It's a spirit attached to it. Uh, either attached to the fear or attached to the thinking, attached to the reasoning, attached to the memories, attached to an incident. There's a spirit attached to it and that you aren't going to get a victory no matter how much Scripture you read or how many hundreds of times you repent. You're probably not going to get a victory until you confront the spirit. you got to confront the spirit. So uh, here he says this could be a, a, a root of bitterness 
Uh, but, of course, we know that a root of bitterness is only uh, one example. One example. Uh, let's jump over to First um, John 4. First John 4 and 1 through 3. There's a couple of scriptures that are really good, I think, for spiritual warfare, though I think in their original context they weren't necessarily written for spiritual warfare. Uh, on a microcosm level, I think on their, in, in the context with which they were written, they were meant for spiritual warfare at a macrocosm level. But because, but because we conquer this nation the way we conquer a nation, because we conquer this sphere as we conquer other spheres, then we can learn from and we can extrapolate truth from the, the macro perspective that was written, and we can bring that into the microcosm of me, and we can apply those truths, and by applying those truths, we get some wisdom for breakthrough. So that's, that's where I want to go a little bit, uh, thinking about our thought life. Uh, and so we'll go to 2 Corinthians 10. We'll go to 1 John 4. Let's go to 1 John 4 first. 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false spirits, lying spirits, false spirits, have gone out into the world. This is the New American Standard, by the way. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, by the way, uh, in our immaturity and deliverance, uh, in our immaturity and deliverance, we've, we've thought that to get a person delivered, uh, like if you were ministering deliverance to someone, to get them delivered, you just needed to get them to confess Jesus. And so, uh, somebody is manifesting something demonic, and maybe this is something very overt. Either they want deliverance of it, or the manifestation is kind of present. And so, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15 of us get around the person. We all start shouting, come out, come out, come out. Uh, and, we do, you know, we're starting to do this deliverance thing, uh, which is highly unsuccessful and poorly trained. And we're all doing this uh, deliverance uh, on this person, trying to get this... Uh, is influence that's troubling this person to leave them. And by the way, this is how we, the enemy's done this in our churches on purpose so that we think that deliverance is always weird, it's always eccentric, it's always like uh, large, and it's always only with people that are severely demonized or tormented. The rest of us have no trouble whatsoever. And then, you know, let's make it look really weird and uh, have the person thrash around on the floor and carry on so that we all know it's weird because all of us want to shy away from anything weird. So let's, let's bring it into as much disrepute as possible so that all of us stay away from uh, deliverance uh, as far as we possibly can, right? Oh, they're doing a deliverance over there. Run! Run for the other side of the building quickly, quickly. That's weird. Get away from that. Oh, there they go. They start to thrash. Ten people yelling, come out, come out, come out. No, all this is going on. Uh, okay, this is not working well, all right? So 
So then, so somebody gets close to the person and they just say, confess Jesus, confess Jesus. That's the secret, right? Confess Jesus. Uh, the word confess, I've told you that before, the word confess in the Greek is homologio uh, or homologos. It's the combination of two words together. So homo being, meaning same and logos meaning the word. And so confess means say the same thing as the word, or in this case, any spirit that does not say the same thing that Jesus says. Any spirit that does not agree with Jesus, any spirit that's bringing forth a contradiction to Jesus, any spirit that is, that's bringing thoughts contradictory to Jesus in that, in that wonderful saint we're trying to minister deliverance to, or to you and me on a micro scale. Any spirit that's contradicting the word of the Lord, a reoccurring spirit, a reoccurring thought. Now, this is interesting. Uh, he, he says these spirits, essentially, you know, they put forth thoughts. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Uh, I like to interject there, don't believe every voice. Uh, I like to interject right there uh, so that we can get helped on a uh, microcosm level. Beloved, don't believe every thought. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And by the way, the word test means make them seek approval. Make thoughts. Make spirits. Spirits put forth thoughts. And here he's talking about the spirits of false prophecy or lying spirits. And he says lying spirits are putting forth thoughts that are antichrist of nature. They're against the Messiah. They're against the anointed. They're against, and they're going to contradict. In fact, is, now the other thing that they said is that uh, he says here is they're going to contradict the victory you have in Jesus who came in the flesh. Jesus came as a man. He came as a man to win a great victory for you, to present you before Father, and to bring you into sonship as well. So any spirit that contradicts that, any spirit that lies against that, any spirit, any, and so we can, we can extrapolate, though, out of this that any thought, any thought, any thought, beloved, don't believe every thought. Beloved, don't believe every thought. Not every thought is coming from you. Not every thought is coming from you. And this is where we discern. Hebrews 4 of 12, we, we, we exercise discernment over our own heart, recognizing that our soul has some junky treasure in it. Jesus said, change the treasure and you'll change the fruit, right? Recognizing our soul has some bad seed and some bad root activity. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 33, Change the root and you'll change the fruit. Change the root and you'll change the tree. Change the tree. And you'll, so we, we got to work on the inside part. And if we work on the inside part, if we bring the inside, the thought realm, thought, imagination, reasoning, emotion, if we bring that into agreement with Jesus... And, of course, you can't bring that into agreement with Jesus without confronting, realizing there's some disagreement. So what are we going to do with disagreement? 
disagreement, and disagreement that sticks around, disagreement that lingers, that stays around, that is resistant, that is reoccurring, disagreement that is reoccurring is attached to a spirit. That's why it keeps coming back, by the way. It keeps coming back not because you're so terrible, not because you're such a mess, not because God has destined that this is your thorn in the flesh and you will never get over this one. This is going to keep you humble forever. You're going to worry all night. Really? There it is, nighttime again. I'm supposed to be sleeping. Why am I worrying? Okay. By the way, I, I want to you know, just throw this out at you. I have found... I have found all of us need to especially watch nighttime because uh, many times what shows up, uh, what shows up either in dreams or in weariness or drowsiness or sleepiness or as we're moving into what's supposed to be sleep, I have found that unclean things that want to assert themselves, unclean thoughts. And when I say unclean, I don't mean just like for the guys, sexual thoughts. Uh, I mean fear thoughts, worry thoughts, negative thoughts, uh, caustic thoughts, bitter thoughts, profane thoughts, stupid thoughts. They want to assert themselves more at night. So beware of your nights. Beware of your nights. Be aware of what's happening at night because if you have reoccurring negative, and by negative I don't mean against prosperity. I mean negative thoughts, unclean thoughts, uh, thoughts of the carnal nature. If they're reoccurring, and if you have this going on, you've got reoccurring thoughts, uh, it's attached to something spiritual. And there's victory for you in just confronting it. Begin to confront it. Instead of getting down into this, like, either agreeing with it and meditating on it and spending half of your night going through it, instead of doing all of that, if you would confront it, if you would, if you would not worry about why am I such a mess. Paul addresses this as he comes out of chapter 7 of Romans. Coming into chapter 8, he addresses the mess perspective. And he's trying to say there, you're not a mess. You're not a mess. So therefore, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Paul's saying, if you're in the Lord, then your triumph is in the Lord. Don't grovel in condemnation, but rather turn and confront that thing that's trying to have its way with your brain, have your way with your thoughts, have, have your way with your imagination. Confront it and dismiss it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And when we think about, when we think about this 1 John 4 and then 2 Corinthians 10, I'll read that to you as well. We'll, we'll get ready to move into our first close. Um, when we think about this, because uh, this passage talks about taking every thought captive. Well, if we go back to Matthew 12, uh, any stronghold, any fortification, Jesus talks about strongholds and fortifications, of which Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, any true stronghold or fortification has a strong man. And Jesus says you can't win a victory over the stronghold until you bind the strong man. Because this is why I'm saying where you've got these reoccurring troubles and repentance alone has not gotten you those victories and you've repented a hundred times 
It's time for you to bind the strong man. It's time for you to confront the spirit attached to that. And you don't need, you don't need the, to know the name of the spirit. If it's fear of failure, just say that. Just fear of failure, leave me alone, I'm done with you. Get out of my imagination, get off of me. And you just start telling it to go, go, go. This is what Jesus would do. Jesus would rebuke a spirit. To rebuke means to command that it leaves. The rebuke there, uh, uh, the word where he would drive out a spirit, the word in the Greek is ekbalo, ekbalo. Everybody say ekbalo. The word there in the Greek, ekbalo, means to drive out, to cast out, to send packing. Go, go, go. To dismiss, right? To dismiss, to overpower, to overtake. And this is what deliverance is. And I'm telling you, there's so much more freedom for you, uh, for all of us who have like these reoccurring themes that come at us. If we would realize, okay, I'm not just going to capture the stronghold. There was some wisdom there with Paul. I'm not going to just take captive the stronghold of these thoughts that don't agree, don't yield, don't submit. They don't come into a confession of who I am in Jesus and who he is for me. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recognize, all right, there's a strong man attached to that. It's a strong man, spirit of, spirit of fear of failure, spirit of inferiority, spirit of rejection, spirit of sexual immorality. Leave me alone. Go, get, go. I dismiss you. I cast you out. I ekbalo you. Yes? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Let's read this. For though we live in the world, this is NIV, New International. For though we live in the world, is this okay, by the way? You all right? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapon with, are not the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension, high thing, lofty thing, imagination. Those are other synonyms there. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, there's tremendous victory in this. And how many of you practice this already all the time? Come on. There's tremendous, for every, I know every one of you practice this. For, for every one of you, the, you, you, you practice this a little bit, you realize how much victory is, there is in this, right? But now I'm just saying that if there's a true reoccurring stronghold showing up, in your arguments and pretensions and thoughts and attitude and emotion and imagination. Then we go back to Matthew 12 and we see Jesus says, okay, well, there's a strong man attached to that. Start dismissing that strong man. Start dismissing that strong man. Let's stand. I'm going to have the band come. Recover Life, Restore Life Mentors, uh, if you'd come, those of you that have a little bit of just familiarity with this, uh, some of you that are on the prayer team or prophetic team, and you've got some familiarity, just come and, and make yourselves available. Um, I know that any kind of an altar call like this, um, is, this is the worst altar call to have, right? This is, this is absolutely the worst. Um, because who would come forward at such an altar call, right? Uh, 
you know, for you to admit that I might have a little something going on uh, where there's something reoccurring that is tormenting me, troubling me, harming me, uh, oppressing me, um, you, you got to be kind of bold because you're thinking right now uh, 250 people are going to see me walk forward. What kind of an idiot do you think I am? But I, I, I want to share with you that I really believe that every one of us constantly need this washing and we need this aggressive stance. And this is part of why the church uh, continues to run to the forgiveness camp uh, and they're not walking fully in the restoration camp because every Christian is messing up. Every Christian has got reoccurring stuff going on and we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know the step above repentance. We don't know there's a step above repentance. The step above repentance is rebuke. The step above repentance is to resist. The step above repentance is to confront and dismiss this junk that's been troubling us and harassing us and hounding us that doesn't even belong to us. It doesn't even belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't, you are a son of God, a daughter of God. You're a new creation person in Jesus. You have, as Paul says, you have access to, and it is right for you to walk in the mind of Christ. You have higher thoughts. You have higher thoughts. You have higher thoughts. In the Old Testament, by the way, it said, uh, it said, uh, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what has entered into the heart of God, right? In the New Testament, it says, but now those things are revealed to us by the Spirit. Yes, your eye has seen and your ear has heard. See, God wants to bring you into more and more of this secret realm of showing you his heart. And more of that will come as we shake some of this stuff off. And we say, that's not of me. That's not of me. I'm not going to listen anymore. I'm not going to submit to me. I'm not going to yield anymore. I'm not going to meditate anymore. I'm not going to be condemned anymore. I'm going to rise up and dismiss that stuff. I'm going to rise up and get victory over that stuff. I'm going to rise up and overcome that stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to use the sword of the Lord. I'm going to use the power of the Lord, the power of his word, the power of his rebuke, and I'm going to let it go. And guess what? None of us in this room are going to judge. None of us in this church are going to walk in judgment. Galatians 6.1 says, He who is spiritual restores. That's the heart of this church. The heart of this church is not to walk in judgment because every one of us would fall under that realm. Every one of us deserve judgment. But the heart of this church is the heart of restoration. He who is spiritual, Galatians 6.1, He who is spiritual restores. So that's our heart. And we just declare it this morning. Lord, you're restoring us. Freedom is ours. Freedom is coming. Freedom is growing. And restoration, <laughs> restoration erupts out of that freedom. It erupts out of that freedom. It erupts out of that freedom. Lord, there's, there's like a volcano of restoration that's growing, growing, growing. There's like a swelling volcano of restoration that's growing. And the more freedom comes, the more it can't be stopped. The more freedom comes, the more it can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. Come on, I'm seeing Mauna Loa over on the big island, and I'm just seeing it's overflowing. It's overflowing. It's overflowing. And that's the heart of God restoring you. That's the heart of God within you. That's the spirit of the Lord just saying, I can't be stopped. I can't be stopped. Freedom means I can't be stopped. 
And we declare that this morning over every soul, over every life, over every person here. Lord, you're doing a good work. 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 We topple that strong man of that reoccurring stronghold. We topple that strong man. We say you have to go. We say you have to go. We say you have to go. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. I'm not under your authority any longer. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship this morning. We love you. And we'll never stop. We can't live without you, Jesus. We love you. And we can't get. 